Hey guys, welcome back. It's Chris Bercher. This is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. This is episode 111, I'm pretty sure. And today I'm going to build on last week's episode and talk about vulnerability as a superpower. Vulnerability as a superpower. Last week we talked about competition and cooperation and the degree to which those forces act in nature. And and I've actually been influenced a lot recently by a podcast by Nate Hagens that I mentioned in the last episode that I'm going to talk a lot about in episode 112. But just to say that my brain is swirling with this whole competition and cooperation thing and evolutionary what happened, evolutionarily what happened, what might have gone down, whether there was a whole lot of competition, whether there wasn't a whole lot of competition, what those different forces resulted in, and you know whether or not we ought to be more cooperative or more competitive. And uh, so many things have changed in my life in just the last couple of weeks. And a big part of it is by sort of finding this body of work that Mr. Higgins has put out there in the podcast, uh, um, in his podcast, The Great Simplification. Uh, mostly his guests. I'm just, I can't, I can't tell you. I'll get to it next week. Um, we'll talk about that soon. So stay tuned for that. But this week, I, you know, I, I wanted to continue the cooperation idea a little bit just because some of my ideas have changed. And in thinking about that episode and recording that episode and then listening to that episode again, I realized that, you know, a big part of this is vulnerability. And, and, and picture, if you will, with me, what I think about a lot is how big of a leap in many ways, it seems like it's a big leap. In many ways, it seems like it isn't a big leap. We we go from sort of the the more derived primates, gorillas and chimpanzees and um, bonobos, I think, or whatever some of the other primates are, and humans. And then thinking about sort of the missing links, the Neanderthals and the, the Homo australopithecus, I don't know, the other sort of hominid species that have existed through time that we only know through the fossil record. So it's like, what's going on there? You know, in most of the other species, or most of the groups, let's say, like primates, like look at mammals or look at bony fishes or look at you know, flies, uh, the certain orders, you know, final class order, family, genus, species, so maybe phyla of organisms. So, you know, they're, they're pretty closely related. And, um, the similarities, at least in my mind, tend to, uh, to sort of over outweigh the differences. But when you look at a human being, a homo sapiens in, in, in this time period versus a, um, a gorilla or a chimpanzee, yeah, there's a whole ton. I mean, if you watch them in the zoo or you see these animals on, on documentaries or whatever, there's a ton of similarities and it's it's eerie right you can totally see how there are not too distant ancestors but intellectually a lot happened with our brains and when you see these sort of like punctuated leaps you got to wonder and it's kind of like i guess i talk about this a lot the 2001 a space odyssey the monolith right the monolith in that movie represents these punctuated leaps where um, early hominid species went from having no fire to all of a sudden the monolith appears, lightning strikes, and fire's there. And you can sort of see the individuals look at it and realize what's getting ready to happen, right? In a very short time period, they're going to figure out 
cooking and heating and forest management and all these other things that came with the discovery of fire that sort of make that evolutionary line of, I don't know what the word is, technology, sophistication, advancement, which is kind of a judgmental word, go up real quick, right? Fire's going to change a lot real fast, just like the internet changed a lot real fast and burning oil changed a lot real fast and backing up a few thousand years, whatever happened in our brains, maybe that happened gradually over three or four or five hundred million years. That's probably more likely. But when you look at things in a, in a punctuated way, as if Homo sapiens appeared quickly after whatever preceded us, there's a big leap in mental capacity, Right. And we're still sort of wrestling with that. I think we're still figuring that out. I think we're still in the stages of, whoa, <laughs> what do we do with this? You know, okay, I got fire now. What do we do with it? Do we burn it? Do we burn each other? <laughs> do we kill each other? Like, how's this going to work out? And I will argue that maybe what we've done with our brains is more on the kill each other side than, than on the other side. And that's what I'm arguing for with cooperation versus competition is we can make these species level, group level, emergent choices and decisions about how we're going to perform as individuals and as a group. And those things can be selfish or they can be more group oriented, right? And so that's that's something that can be decided. It can it's a it's a it's a it's a bifurcated path or paths that can be taken. And I think we never have the wherewithal the the foresight to sit down and make a decision prior to it. We just end up doing things. And I think when you sort of combine the silverback gorilla mentality of these aggressive, selfish, competitive primates with something more subtle and potentially um, communal level Organisms that maybe a human is, maybe there has been some, again, advancement for lack of a better term. Maybe that would be away from uh, the selfish, self centered, individualistic model to more of a communal model. I would argue that that is going to be the more derived condition is to cooperate versus competition. And so, something I didn't really talk about last time is that I think competition probably was a big part of especially mammal daily life, but not because it was a good thing. I don't think that's changed my position on whether competition is good or bad. And that a better, more evolutionary, more derived choice or pathway to the future for Homo sapiens or more derived primates is going to be cooperate because it's going to pay off more. And in fact, on a recent podcast of Nate Hagen's, the most recent one as of February 4th, 2023, uh, the most recent recent interview, I can't remember the fellow's name, I'll try to put it in the liner notes, and I'm sure I'll talk about it next week. He talks about a famous chicken experiment where they selected either between groups or within groups for the biggest egg layers, and it turned out that the biggest egg layers were also the biggest bullies, so that when you got a group with a the best egg layer in it, most of the other chickens weren't laying eggs at all because they were beaten up by the dominant ones. So sure, there were big eggs in this group, but there weren't many. And the other group that was less competitive and more cooperative 
where you didn't select for the, the most aggressive competitive bullies, you didn't have the biggest eggs, but most of the chickens laying eggs were laying eggs. And so you had more eggs, right? So what do you want? And I think if they argue in this experiment, you know, as a result of these experiments and similar ones that we live in a, in a culture where people like Elon Musk are laying the biggest eggs, but they're the only ones, right? And there's very few of these sort of competitive winners and a whole lot of losers rather than a sort of a more universal basic income situation where you have egalitarian egg layers, right? Which is a healthier species, which is a healthier culture, which is a healthier society, not the one with the bullies. And so there's lots of evidence out there that the derived direction that we are going as humans and that will provide the most healthy egalitarian, equivalent, balanced, you know, these are all value judgments that may not be part of your value system, um, is going to be a more cooperative environment instead of a competitive environment. And this all brings up this idea of what happened. And what I think happened is that there's vulnerability. Like I think inherent in primates and probably even uh, birds and fish and reptiles I'm not sure if you go further back than that phylogenetically, you're going to have individuals that are sort of self-aware <laughs> and thus automatically more communal. And then you're going to have individuals that are less self-aware and automatically more selfish. And this sets up um, this, this first group of the more self-aware ones is going to be more vulnerable, Right. And more easily exploited. And I think think along with, I mentioned this last week, whenever you have a winning and losing dichotomy, somebody's got to lose in, some, in order for somebody to win. In order for these differences, the, the capacity of, of inequality, if you will, or differing abilities, the losers often have this trait of vulnerability. Um, or at least retain this trait. And of course, if competition was the most important thing in the world, it, competitive features would have been selected for evolutionarily. And then what you'd end up with is populations of a in, single individual <laughs> who won everything. And really, uh, it's not too hard to imagine a scenario whereby competition leads to extinction. If there's only one winner... And there has to be two in order to reproduce sexual organisms. You know, maybe perhaps competition is a leftover from asexual reproduction, where you could just have one individual that was able to reproduce itself. Um, but then, you know, that's crazy because asexual reproduction increases competition because you basically make new individuals that you have to compete with. So it just doesn't make any sense from any line of reasoning besides Monday Night Football. The competition would win, and so and so. Somehow, and I'm not sure how, this was a good idea at the beginning of this episode, vulnerability comes into play because the more vulnerable a person is, the more potential they have to be cooperative. The less vulnerable a person is, the opposite is true, the more likely they are to be this selfish competitor. And I see two scenarios here where vulnerability arguably was selected for because it still exists in our culture, thankfully. And I see a couple of different important 
things going on here that competitors, selfish competitors, exploit vulnerability. Vulnerability also is a favored condition, trait, state for cooperation. Okay. So that sets up, that's really, uh, to me, that's very interesting because it's like a sensitive kid on the playground that gets bullied is that bullying process acts as a selection force to remove the vulnerability, to basically win, to basically say, if you cannot compete with me, uh, your traits are going to go extinct, right? Or are going to not be as represented in the population. And only individual kids on the playground that are less, that reduce their vulnerability and therefore compete and be more selfish are going to persist. But that's not what happened. In fact, I would argue that there's far more vulnerable individuals in the world than there is competitive individuals in the world. And that's not all black and white, it's a continuum. We all have elements of both, right? And so we need to be able to compete when the conditions when when resources are scarce or or whatever other conditions might favor competition but vulnerability should similarly be conserved and protected because that's what's going to enable us to look at one another with uh, empathy and sympathy and a, and a and a cooperative attitude and it, and it almost seems absurd to argue that the world's problems uh the sharing of limited space given increasing population numbers is going to be accomplished through competitive uh, forces. Some degree of communal cooperation has to happen in order for the human species to exist. And I argue here that this ability is going to draw upon vulnerabilities that have often been um, what's the, um, prejudice, have prejudice against them and sort of... Um, been uh, <laughs> vulnerability that is often um, frowned upon, if you will, um, by competitive forces or or selected against by these behaviors that we s- perpetuate. And so I don't understand why we don't look, and this is Brene Brown, right? And maybe this is happening, why vulnerability isn't favored over competitive capacities. And yes, I'm not arguing that we we stop competing and we we lose the ability to defend ourselves. And I, I'm not even sure what the slippery slope is to no competition. I think we still have to retain the idea that there are times and situations where that sort of less vulnerable, individualistic, more selfish position is appropriate. I just think it's going to be not that often, especially the more crowded and limited the resources get on earth. And so I find it really hard to understand why we favor winners like the Elon Musks and the the winning football team and you know why we worship these traits that are so narrowly relevant <laughs> in these very few situations. And simil- similarly, consider the vulnerable to be weak or uh, less good. I can't find the word that I'm looking for. Um, Inferior to competitors. We ought to be looking at this differently. We ought to look at vulnerable, empathetic, sensitive people 
as having traits that are conducive to healthy populations and making good decisions. And I joked about, you know, why do we elect people that are obsessed with power, money, and status? And then when they get into office and they do these greedy things, we get surprised. We ought to be electing people like Mr. Rogers. Well, again, I'm going to make the same sort of argument that Mr. Rogers represents this 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 communal, vulnerable, uh, empathetic position that's able to consider the fact that there are other people on earth. And the opposite of that, someone who is very competitive is more selfish with the exception maybe of their team or their tribe or their identity group, uh, which is very dangerous, uh, is not going to be not as able to make the decisions that we need to make in order to share resources. And in several of the the books I've just read, I'll talk about next week, uh, and the podcast that I've been listening to, they talk about the tragedy of the commons. And it's sort of the same idea where it is it is a dangerous situation because if we're not all going to agree to be vulnerable, then one competitive, selfish, greedy person can take advantage of all that vulnerability. And so that's the 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 the, the, the interesting predicament that we find ourselves in. The choice to be vulnerable is dangerous because you open yourself up to being taken advantage of by a competitive bully. So if, 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 if like in the tragedy of the commons, if there's a, a food resource in your backyard that's limited, and you only need a little bit of it to live, but if, but if you and your neighbors have to share this resource, what if one of your neighbors steals all of it and therefore leaves you in a bad situation without anything? So you are motivated by that risk to take it all yourself. And so this becomes this tragedy of the commons where somebody is going to take it all for fear of someone else taking it all. So if we can't all agree to share and and not take it all, the one bad apple is literally going to spoil the whole bunch. That's what we're up against. And so we get to a situation where either your vulnerability is taken advantage of or it becomes your superpower. And I think collectively, vulnerability, empathy, whatever you want to group this sort of sympathetic um, awareness of other people's needs is is our species level, village level, community level superpower. It is the key. It is the way we solve the majority of these problems that I've talked about in the acid tests. Um, of course, that assuming you think we have any problems like climate change or depression or anxiety or inequality, you may not. Um, whereas competition is... <laughs> not going to solve those problems. It may actually create and perpetuate them. But competition sort is sort of being the exploitation of others' vulnerability, right? Uh, I, it's going to be interesting to think about whether there are species in nature, the degree to which species in nature express this selfish versus uh, communal uh, these traits, whether they sort of repress their own vulnerability and take advantage of other individuals' vulnerability, or whether they use their vulnerability to be more sort of altruistic in quotes, and how much this happens. And, and luckily, uh, I have just, again, discovered these bodies of work that where people have researched these things, so we can talk about these. But I think this all fits in nicely with the acid test, sort of what does nature tell us about the status of uh, how humans are living on earth 
So I'll continue that next week. This has been episode 111, Vulnerability as a Superpower. This is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. I'm Chris Bircher. I'll see you next week. Take it easy.